Chapter Eight of A Daily Rate by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Aunt Hannah had lighted her lamp a few minutes after the light of the day went out to get a little comfort from her Bible before going downstairs to face her trials, for it must be confessed that Aunt Hannah had not had a cross so heavy to bear in many a year as it was for her to go downstairs that night and face Hiram and Nettie calmly after the words she had heard her niece speak. She had tried to think of all the comfort in the Bible as she sat in the twilight. She had a great store of the precious words to draw from, for her Bible had ever been her chief delight. She knew just where to turn in her memory for the right help, and it came trooping forth. Fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. All things work together for good to them that love God to be conformed to the image of his Son. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Then she lighted the lamp to search out another promise, for it seemed to her as if just to look upon the words would somehow help her. It was at that moment Johnny brought up Celia's letter, she opened it quickly, the anticipation of another trouble arising in her mind, for what might not have happened to Celia so far away in that great city alone since the last letter she wrote? It was a thick letter, and she read it slowly through, taking no thought of time, because the matter it contained absorbed her mind completely, and when Johnny came up the second time, she had something new to think about which demanded immediate attention, and had claims prior to any downstairs. The letter read thus. Dear Aunt Hannah, do you remember the words on the little bookmark you sent me for my birthday? I know you do, for you have a way of hiding all such words away in that wonderful memory of yours. You know the heading was about an allowance, from the king, a continual allowance. When I read it, I knew just what you meant by sending it to me. You wanted to remind me that my king had plenty of extra strength to give me, and that he had promised to furnish me with enough for every day of my life to bear that day's trials. It did help me, for I knew I was trying to bear some of them all by myself, and that I often and often forgot that I do not have to take up next year's crosses and worry about them. But I remember, when I first read the words, I couldn't help longing deep down in my heart that I could have a real earthly allowance of money, just solid, hard, dirty money, coming in every week, and every month, and every year, and enough to supply all the actual needs, so that I might live with you, and work for you, and have you all to myself. 
then i felt indeed that my head would be lifted up out of prison forever for i read that chapter about jehoiachin as you meant i should you dear good auntie and it helped me too you see i had been taking up a big heavy cross for the year to come for you i didn't feel happy about you there at hiram's for in spite of me i cannot like hiram's ways and i don't believe you do i know for one thing and a very small thing that you hate tobacco smoke and have never been used to it and yet hiram smokes all over the house whenever he pleases without even so much as caring whether it is repulsive to you or not in fact i am wicked enough to suspect that he might do it the more just because you don't like it to show you he is master of his own house i am so sorry i have to feel that way about my cousin-in-law but i can't help it there is this comfort about it i don't believe nettie minds and as she is the one that has to be his wife and go through life with him it is a relief to think she doesn't but there that is all out of the way and unchristian and i have been too much blessed to allow myself to say anything unchristian about any one only i did want you to understand that i appreciated how hard it was for you to cheerfully accept nettie's proposal and go to live with her for a few years i did not say so then because i thought any words would only make it harder to bear and i know my own dear auntie's old way of always finding a thing easier to bear if she succeeds in making other people think she is perfectly happy that is just one way and the only way in which you ever are the least little bit dishonest but i must hurry on with my main theme which has not been even hinted at yet and i have a great deal to write and must get it in to-night for i cannot bear to have you wait a minute longer than is necessary to hear the good news in the first place you are not to stay at nettie's another day that is not unless you prefer to of course but you are to pack up every scrap that belongs to you and take the first train to philadelphia sending me a telegram at my expense to say what train you start on you must come to the broad street station have your trunks checked there too and don't leave any of your things behind for there is plenty of room to put all your things here and you are not to go back to nettie's unless you go on a visit of pleasure aunt hannah glanced up to see if the little room with its old ingrain carpet and cheap furniture was still about her she was almost breathless with the proposal of the letter things seemed to whirl around her she wanted to get something to steady her before she read on she saw the black side of the sheet iron drum and remembered the afternoon and a glance toward her open bible showed her the lines god is faithful will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it she drew a long breath and closed her eyes for a minute's lifting of her heart to god he was going to make a way to escape she did not yet understand how it was to be done but her faith caught at the fact that it was to be done then she went back to the letter you are to give your checks to the porter on the car and you are to take a sleeper if you come at night or a parlor car if you choose to come in the daytime i enclose your ticket aunt hannah noticed then that a small pink and white paper had fallen from the letter when she opened it and slipped to the floor she stooped and picked it up in a dazed way good for one trip to philadelphia it certainly was 
this was something tangible and brought her back to everyday life she really was to go for here was the ticket she went on with the letter eagerly now you are to have the porter carry your satchel into the station for you and i will meet you at the gate and take you home yes home aunt hannah yours and mine do you hear that it isn't very pretty nor inviting yet but it is ours for a while for as long as we want it and we shall fix it into a charming home and now you want to know how it all happened and what it means well this morning i was sent for again to come to raleigh and brown's office on very important business and as they told me it might keep me some time i asked for the day off at the store i couldn't have had that if i had not done double duty for the last week in place of a girl who was sick mr dobson was very nice and said certainly in such a case he would give me permission of course i suppose i'll lose my pay for that day but it had to be done and it doesn't matter now anyway well mr raleigh hemmed and hawed a good deal and finally told me that everything was satisfactorily settled at last and that i had been duly declared by the court to be uncle abner's heir without any question or doubt anywhere and that he wished to go over the papers with me and place the property in my hands there was some red tape to be gone through with which i needn't stop now to tell you about it was all very interesting to me the number of times i had to sign my name and all the witnesses and i felt just like a girl in a book but i haven't time for that there is better to come it seems uncle abner had a farm where he lived after he got old and his wife died and his son went to india and there was a young farmer and his family who lived there and took care of him and they have rented the house ever since they still live there the farm is pretty good way up in new york somewhere i think i didn't pay much attention to it then he owned an interest in a coal mine near scranton and a few government bonds not many of those but the whole is well invested and brings in a nice little income every year sure and i couldn't help thinking of jehoiachin when mr raleigh was telling me about it he said it was so well invested that it was as near as anything earthly could be sure a continual income as long as i lived if i kept things in their present shape for uncle abner had been a very careful man and always invested in pretty safe things with what little he had i didn't tell him i considered it much instead of little though it seems a fortune to me i suppose i shall learn better hereafter but i am going to try to be very wise with it anyway with god's help now you want to know how much it is i know well it amounts to nine hundred dollars a year at the lowest calculation besides several years of accumulated interest not invested yet isn't that riches why you've so often told me that not many ministers and few missionaries get more than that now then why shouldn't you and i be missionaries i know it has been your dear desire all your life and i don't know of anything that would be grander work and as we can't go as foreign missionaries just now what if we should be home missionaries of course two lone women couldn't make mortar and bricks and build a church and preach at least i shouldn't like to try it though i'm not at all sure but i could do it you know we always thought if we had the time and the material and the pattern 
you and i could do almost anything anybody else could if we tried well i began to think about a mission for us and before i had gotten halfway home to write to you it came to me just what i would like to do why shouldn't you and i make a real home mission for ourselves right here in the city of philadelphia by making a good home for a few people who have none of their own it seems to me there is as much gospel sometimes in a good sweet loaf of bread such as you can make as there is in well some sermons don't you think so then we could get a hold on the people who ate it and get them to go to the churches and try to help them in their everyday lives why some of the young men here would stay at home evenings occasionally perhaps regularly if they had a pleasant warm light place to stay in instead of that they go out to the saloons perhaps anyway auntie dear they don't look rested in the morning when they come down to breakfast and oh what a breakfast we did have this morning it seems as though i can never like hash again although i always used to enjoy ours so much at home when you made it but hash in mrs morris's boarding-house is a very different dish indeed when i got home i went straight up to mrs morris's room she has not gotten entirely well from her severe sickness of a few weeks ago yet though she goes around and directs things but she seems to be so worried all the time you know i told you how many bills she has unpaid and how hard times have been for her you wouldn't wonder a bit if you could be here and watch the way things go a little while she was lying on her bed when i went in and looking as if she would like to cry if she were only young enough and had the energy she told me right away that she was in trouble again she was a month behind in her rent and the agent had been around and said it must be paid in advance after this and he couldn't wait longer than till five o'clock she only pays twenty-five dollars a month and with all her boarders you might think she could pay it but she doesn't that's all while she was talking i began to revolve my plans very rapidly i didn't want to act too rashly for you know you always tell me that is one of my great faults but i knew if i did anything it ought to be done very soon probably it would have been wiser to have asked mr raleigh's advice and perhaps some of my relatives but i had an innate suspicion that i would not be allowed to do it at all if i asked and why shouldn't i the money is mine and i am of age if i am not very experienced i knew you would like it at least i felt very sure you would and if you and god like a thing i don't care what all the rest of the world think so i asked mrs morris a lot of questions some i had not asked her before you see i had a whole two hundred dollars in my pocket-book mr raleigh had given me he said it was mine and i might as well take it to begin on so i took it i knew i would want to do a lot of things right away and that the first one would be to get you here at once and to buy your ticket i was just aching to spend some money for it was the first time in my life i ever had much to spend i asked mrs morris about her butcher's bill and her grocery bill and things and i found they were not so very big as she had made me think at first then i asked her point-blank how much she would like to let a woman come in here in her place for three months or so and take the boarding-house off her hands paying the bills for the present and letting her pay them by and by if she chose 
or if not holding the furniture as collateral she didn't know what i meant by collateral but she soon understood and said she would be only too glad only she never could find any woman who would be so foolish she said too that she was afraid if she once got away she would never be willing to come back but just stay and leave the old furniture to make it right with her debts and she sighed and returned to her trouble and began to cry then i couldn't stand it any longer i told her i thought i knew the right one for her and i would write to her at once and attend to it all if she was sure she agreed to it it did not take her long to decide what she would do after she was fully convinced that i meant what i said she began to pack up her clothes right away and to talk about what she would take with her she hasn't much worth while i guess she will want those horrid crayon portraits of her family and herself i hope and a few other ornaments but when we had gotten to this point we found it was five o'clock and the doorbell made mrs morris remember the rent agent sure enough he had come and maggie came up to call mrs morris she looked at me blankly as much as to say what shall i do she had forgotten all about him i thought just a minute and then i told her i had some money enough i thought to pay the agent and satisfy him and i would go down and see if i could make him behave till we got things settled then i went downstairs and put on my most dignified air he bristled at me and demanded mrs morris mrs morris is not well and is lying down said i and i have come down in her place is there anything i can do for you well i've got to see her if she is lying down he said in a loud voice and he took a couple of steps toward the stairs as if he would go up to her at once she's got to pay her rent she'll be put out if she don't do it at once this thing has gone oh i said it isn't in the least necessary for you to get excited if that is all i can attend to the rent as well as anything else are you the agent yes i am he said and i won't have any more talk either i want my money i had my pocket-book in my hand and i tried to freeze him with a look as i opened it when he saw me bring out a big roll of bills he almost looked faint he was so astonished how much is it that is back i asked two months and a half he snarled i began to count out the money and then i remembered my own experience with raleigh and brown and thought i would give him a little taste of it i drew back and said you are sure you are the agent and fully entitled to receive this money can you give me any credentials he was very much taken aback and got red and embarrassed and at last remembered that mrs morris knew him then he grew angry again and demanded to see her i sent a message up to mrs morris that if she was able we would like to have her come down and she came when it was finally all settled and the receipt signed i told the young man that he might tell the owner that the rent hereafter would be paid in advance and on time and that there were a few repairs which needed immediate attention and we would like to have him call at his earliest convenience he went away quite crestfallen and i begin to feel quite like a householder the only thing that troubles me is mrs morris's extreme gratitude because dear auntie i'm afraid i haven't loved her as much as i ought to for christ's sake 
and I therefore can't take to myself the credit she would give me. It is all very selfish in me. Now the matter stands this way. If you possibly can come this week, do so. Mrs. Morris will be ready to leave on your arrival. She will go to her sister out west, and I doubt if she ever returns. I have given her some money to go with. It isn't always you can buy a full-fledged boarding-house, borders and all, so cheap. I suppose someone would call it dear, but I am very happy in my purchase. I shall keep my place in the store till you come anyway, for I don't care to have the boarders find out my connection with the business, till they see some of the changes I want to have made for the better. The only servant here is worse than none. She is so dirty and saucy you never could stand her. If you possibly can induce Molly to come with you, bring her. I enclose a New York draft, which I think will be all the money you will want to bring her, and pay any little bills till you get here. And now, dear Auntie, I do hope and pray you will say yes, and come at once, and not find any oughts and ought-nots in the way, as you sometimes do. You see, I have gone ahead and burned my bridges behind me, because I felt that you ought, whether you think so or not, for I mean to take care of you now myself, and you are working too hard there. Here we will keep you in pink cotton, and only let you direct. I shall keep good servants, and if I don't always make the two ends meet, why, I shall have a continual allowance given me of my king to draw upon. Your loving, eager, Celia. End of chapter 8